It's good to see you all. Thank you. It's good to see me too, I know. Please, your overwhelming response is just too much. <laughs> it's very good. Well, I'm, I'm excited about this morning, this afternoon. Uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit's given me a message. I tried to preach a couple of weeks ago, but couldn't. So um, we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As we're talking about that, I'm gonna, um, we're going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. You know, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me over the last little while uh, with the number five. I, I keep seeing um, 555 in different places that I've been, uh, probably since about November, actually. And coming, you know, sometimes it's been coming here to do something that uh, I needed grace. You know, b- biblically, theologians would say that the uh, number five represents grace. And so I've been seeing 555, even to the point yesterday when I flew in and we're, I'm waiting for my bags at the uh, at RDU at the uh, carousel, and I'm looking up to see what's happening with our bags on the monitor, and I see the time is 555, 555. And uh, typically the Lord's just showing me that when I, um, when I need His grace. And I, we're, we're in a season of the Lord bringing us into greater promises, and the key for us is grace, uh, is to understand the grace of God and all his goodness. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, um, I've actually got, uh, I want to spend a little time on verse 10, and I may end up, well I will end up um, pre- preaching over a few weeks this, this message. So the 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, just keep note of that. Everything that Jesus had, that happened to Jesus was in accordance with the scriptures prophesied in advance to do. We love the word of God. And he appeared to Kepha, then to, to the 12, or Peter, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, who was his brother, then to a half-brother, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. That's an amazing Word of God. I love the Word of God. Now, I've, I've, I've shared from the platform before that the, the, the meaning of grace in the, in the uh, Greek language, charis, or it comes from this root word that actually means to lean towards. God is the God. When we're talking about grace, what we're talking about is God's free will disposition, his desire, his delight to lean in towards us for our good. It's like, you know, with my wife, Ash. Grace, my love for her, causes me to lean in. And my children go, and um, 
But grace is a leaning in, it's actually God leaning into us to kiss us, to be favorably disposed towards us because we're his favorites. Ash is my favorite. And, and he leans in towards us. Now, the opposite of grace is this, disinterest, turn my back. But the grace of God is that he leans in towards us because he loves us, because he's favorably disposed towards us, because he wants to bless us. He's leaning in for our good. That means wherever you are, wherever you go, God is always leaning in. He's not disinterested. He's not angry. He's not frustrated. He's not annoyed. He's always leaning in, and, and, his, and he's leaning in, not because of our own ability, not because of our own goodness, but because of his great love for us. And so right at the beginning of this chapter in verse, in verse 1, uh, we, what, we, what we see here is Paul starts to say, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Paul, we can see in verse 3 that he received something from heaven. He received the good news from heaven. The good news from heaven was that uh, was preached to us. That good news is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, motivated by the love of the Father, the Father sending his own Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Why? Because God so loved the world, or God loved the world this much. God loved the world in this way that he gave his son. And so we, we, when we hear the gospel, what happens when we, get, when we say yes to Jesus, when we believe in our hearts that he's the Lord, when we confess that he is the Lord, we receive grace from heaven. It's the, it, the, grace is, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is the love of Jesus, uh, his desire to open up to us his relationship that he has had between father and son, a perfect relationship based on love and free will and freedom. And he's opened that up to us so that we could experience that same level of relationship between the father and the son, and we've been brought into that. The gospel isn't just good advice. It's not just a template of life to follow, although there is a template in Jesus, but first and foremost what the gospel is is a receiving of the love and the kisses of heaven and the grace of God and, and so so Paul says this so you've received grace so here's the thing about the gospel is you the, it, God has to communicate to our hearts so it's God is actually on both sides of the gospel equation God is the one that's speaking to our hearts but God is on the inside of us actually receiving that grace and then giving that love back. So he's both the giver and the receiver. He's the giver from heaven. He's the receiver in us. And so we stand, as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, we stand in the grace of God. And he goes on to say this, so you've received it, and now you stand in it. I want, you, I want to invite you, if you were to stand, please. You know, um, those of you that like to play video games, or particularly the sports games, I think there's, you know, many sports games, let's say the, the Madden NFL one, you know, and, and what happens in that is that the person that has the ball is always highlighted. I don't play video games, but that's what I'm told. I just had this kind of image, right? And so the person that's running with the ball, if it's a soccer game or whatever, that person is the one that's always like kind of glowing. Anyone understand that reference? No gamers whatsoever. Okay, two of you, fantastic. Okay, that fell flat, didn't it? 
So, balls, so what I want you to do is I want you to look around you and draw an imaginary circle around you. And Paul says, by the, uh, uh, by, we stand, in Romans chapter 5, he says we stand in grace. You live in a land, if you've said yes to Jesus, you live in a land called grace. Right? And so that means, and everywhere you go, this grace moves with you. You always stand, you always exist in this, fr- in this frame where the love of God is focused upon you and his desire f- is for you and he's leaning in for your prosperity and your blessing. So take a look around you. This land is a good land. This land is my land. This land is the grace of God and the life of heaven. You can have a seat. So we, we, we received grace, we're standing in grace, and then Paul goes on to say that the message is that you are being saved. In other words, the grace of God covers our past, our present, and our future. The grace of God covers our past. We've received that grace. We now stand in that grace, and we are now being saved, ultimately when we get to heaven, to be demonstrated that by grace. And so it's the leaning in of heaven. And so I want us to look at this Paul's statement in, chapter, in verse 10 of, that, of this chapter. Paul says this. He says in verse 9, he says, I am the least of all the apostles. He goes through all of the lists of the people that have seen the risen Christ, the resurrected Lord. And he says he, he, was, he experienced Christ on the Damascus Road. You can read about it in Acts chapter 9. And he received Christ and in fact, he was on his way to persecute the church. He was the one that was standing when Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned. And as I said, not in the first service, not like weed, but actually physically stoned. You know, he was there. He, he stood and he approved of Stephen being stoned. And he then took orders. And it says he went from house to house. And he had orders from the priest to go to Damascus and to lay hold of all the believers, the followers of Jesus, and throw them in prison or kill them. But Jesus knocked him off his horse. And right in that moment, there was the call of God. This is what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to the nations. I'm calling you to be an apostle, a sent one. I'm calling you. And Paul, even though he was, he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. I'm the least of the apostles. I am not worthy to be called one. Jonathan's got this great message called God's big butt. Here's another one of these, God's big butt. Paul's saying, look, I am not, um, I'm the least of the apostles. I was untimely born. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I, I, I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God. And there's three dimensions that I want us to look at. We're probably just going to look at the first today. The first one is by the grace of God, I am what I am. Second dimension is, but his grace towards me was not in vain. The third dimension is, I worked harder than anyone, but not I, but the grace of God, that was with me. Grace by, by grace. Grace towards us, grace with us. Five, 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 triple grace. The Lord releasing to us triple grace. So this, this morning we're going to look at, I, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. What, what's Paul saying there? What he's saying is my past does not define me. My natural abilities do not limit me. He's saying I was a persecutor. 
I didn't deserve grace. I was the chief of all sinners. I had nothing good within me but God. But God, but God called me, but God called me to this place of, of serving him and living out his calling and then planting churches all over the world and doing all manner of amazing things, writing the, probably a third of the New Testament. But God, if this was me, this is what it might look. Can you imagine if Paul was like, I'm sure it's just me, I'm sure you guys don't ever think this way, but just, you know, just for me, I mean like, um, if I was a convicted murderer or I had had, had murderous intentions or I was like really um, full of shame about that, this is what my life would look like. No, Lord, I know you've called me to be an apostle, but I'm sorry, I can't do it. No, no, it's just too much. Can you remember what I did here? You know, I, I persecuted your church here. I murdered some people. I was there when Stephen got stoned. Yeah, I, 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 no. I can't do it. And, and I would be more conscious of my past than my present or my future. But, what God's, but the grace of God, what it teaches us is to actually let go of the past. To wipe it out because it's been wiped out. The, the Bible says that God loved us while we were still sinners. In other words, not when you had your act together, not when you pulled yourself together, not when you picked yourself up by the bootstraps, not when you cleaned yourself up, not when you had made yourself worthy, actually when you were an enemy of God. When you had your back turned to God yourself. When you were hostile to God. You may not have murdered anybody, but the Bible says, if you looked at your brother with, you know, Jesus said, if you look at your brother with anger in your heart, you've murdered them. But in that condition, but God. By the grace of God. And so the grace of God was re revealed to Paul to actually bring him into his calling and his destiny. Each one of us have a calling and a purpose in Christ Jesus. I love how um, it's in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and I think it's the Good News Bible. And it says this, that in our union with Christ, we have been created for good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. In our union with Christ. How does our union with Christ come? It comes by grace. What's the purpose of that union? Good works for us to do. Ephesians 1 earlier, Paul says that God has an inheritance in you and I. There's something that God has chosen each one of us for that is an inheritance that he has that he wants to claim and he wants to bring you into and he wants to make you fruitful and it's not going to be by your own effort, or your own strength, your own goodness, your own giftedness but it's going to be by the grace of God. Come on, and Paul's saying here, it's by the grace of God. It's not by grace plus me. It's not by my effort and co-laboring with the grace of God. There is effort we'll see in a few weeks' time. But it's not that it's my effort that gets me there. He's not talking about, you know, grace plus me. He's not kind of saying, well, I was just that kind of person anyway. You know, I had all the Myers-Briggs personality profiles of a super apostle. I was an ENTJ or an EN, and, you know, or for, for life languages, I was a shaper, mover, producer, influencer. I had it all together. No. Paul's saying there's nothing good about me. There's nothing inherently good in, in me that caused God to say, you've got the qualities that I need, son. 
No, he released grace. And in the grace, what was released was a covering of the past, a calling for the present, and an absolute determination and surety that the future was going to be fulfilled. And so Paul's saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Here's my question to you. What's God called you to be? To, to us together. What would we say, by the grace of God, I am what I am? Some of us here, we've been called to be parents. Man, you need grace from a, as a parent, don't you? Some of us, are, uh, you know, maybe we're a parent at home, maybe we're a single mother raising family, trying to work and trying to, and, and, you know, look after kids. Maybe we've been called to business. Maybe we've been called to start a business. Maybe we've been called to, to step out and start a new ministry or mission. Maybe we've called, been called to go to university. Maybe we've been called to be people of provision that actually helps support the destiny of many people. If you're a business owner, maybe you're called to actually, or even a manager at work where you're called, your calling is to help people find their destiny in God and, and to experience the life of God. Obviously, that starts with knowing Christ. But beyond that, you know, within that as well, just being people that actually champion others to see them fulfill their destiny and calling. We've all been called to something. What have you been called to? And we automatically think about the church. Well, I want to be a pastor. I want to be this or I want to be that. And we put lenses on that the only way that we can serve the Lord, the only calling that's worth it, is actually the calling that says, I now am a pastor. You know, that's absolute rubbish. Now, I do believe, according to Scripture, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul says that God, according to the measure of Christ's gift, he has given grace to all of us. And so I do believe that there's a portion for every single one of us of the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher in different measures. We're all called to those ministries in the whatever forum and place that the Lord has given us because it is the calling and the ministry of Jesus. Now, we're not all called to be apostles, but we're all called to think apostolically. We're not called to be necessarily prophets, but we're all called to carry the prophetic unction of heaven into whatever sphere of society that God's given us. And so your Monday ministry may be to be a worker, may be to be a manager, but that call is a call from God by the grace of God. Now the problem with, if you're like me, the problem for many of us is that we tend to live conscious of our limitations. We tend to live in the consciousness of our smallness of mind. We tend to live in the, I don't think I can, rather than his grace to me is sufficient. And so we put a throttle on ourselves. We limit ourselves. For me, I've shared with this view before, I think, but it's worth just going again. You know, for me, one of my issues, I, I had these two kind of modes of being, if you like. I would describe them as the little Murray and the big Murray. The little Murray looked like this. I feel small. I feel insignificant. I'm a disappointment. God's not very happy with me. I tried to get up on my quiet time and read and I slept through my alarm and therefore just tells me that, you know, I am actually a disappointment. I tried to preach last week and I completely fluffed it. 
I tried to share the gospel last time I met my colleague and, and, and he asked me, what did you do over the weekend? And I had this amazing moment with God and, and, and I would love to tell him, but then I just said, nothing. And that just tells me that I'm a disappointment. That I actually don't want to do it. I, I, I feel called to, 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 start this, to start this business, but I feel inadequate because there's something about me that I just, I'm, I'm a disappointment and I'm a rejection. So I know I'm going to fail. That's a little Murray. Now who's speaking to that little Murray? The enemy. That little Murray is in deception. You know, it's enough to believe a lie to keep you in bondage. So the little Murray, the interesting thing about the little Murray and the big Murray is that they can appear on the same day, sometimes within the same half hour. This is the big Murray. I've got broad shoulders. I'm strong. I can do this. I'm, a, I'm, I'm called to this. I have a great family. I have, I'm smart. I've got a good education. I, I, I'm, I'm anointed. Heaven's with me. I can do this. Uh, I've got great you know, family. I'm a great dad. I'm a great worshiper. I'm a great, I'm, I'm, I'm this. I've got a great, really anointed, really super handsome older brother. I've got the one that you know as well. And Just a little joke, Duncan's my brother. I have another brother in Canada. I just couldn't you know, resist that little dig. But the big, the big Murray is, I've got this. I can do it all. I, can, I don't have to say no to anything. I can do everything through Murray who strengthens me. I got this. So that's the big Murray. The big Murray is a cover-up. It's a stinking fig leaf. It's a very little thin fig leaf that most people, well, if I let you close enough in, you could see right through it. But the thing is, I project so much strength to you that I'm not going to let you in because if you really knew how I was, you would know that I'm actually the little Murray in the corner, hoping everything's going to be okay. Sorry, I jumped off the camera probably. And so I'm the, the big Murray. And the little Murray. Almost in the same moment. How would that manifest itself? Well, someone would ask me to, you know, when, when I, even when, I, when we moved here, or before then, and I had some, uh, before I had some healing for this, I used to hate public speaking. Something to do with when I was 18, I haven't got time to go through that story. But I, needless to say, I had to have a lot of healing with that. Something to do with when I was born that also contributed to that. Haven't really got time to go into that. But I would feel like I didn't want to speak. So they'd ask me to speak. I remember being asked to speak a few times and, um, and I was terrified. But I had to, why? Not because I was worried about what I could say, but were more worried about, will you like me or not if I do it well? I need to do it well because I need you to like me. Why? Because the little Murray's on the inside going, <laughs> don't screw it up, boy. They'll all see how you are. But when I didn't preach very well, I, can, I would literally slink off in shame and hide in a corner and say, nobody talked to me about my preach because I knew it was so terrible. Please don't say anything. Don't come up. No, 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 no. They're coming. Quick, move, move, move. <laughs> Why? Because I was operating out of a place of shame and insecurity. I was focused on my past and not therefore receiving the grace from heaven. 
Because what God wants to do is he wants to pour out grace upon our past and grace in our present and grace in our future so that we can actually fulfill what he's called us to live. So that, because we have a calling and a destiny that he wants us to come into in its fullness. And it's not about my own effort. Here's the thing. The little me and the big me, they're both sin responses. Grace is the middle. Jesus says in, John, uh, in Matthew 7, narrow is the gate and hard is the way to eternal life. Why? Because we find ourselves either over here trying to do it all in our own strength or we find ourselves over here in total flat panic feeling like we're no good for anything and we can't start that thing that God's calling us to because we haven't got it within us. And grace says, I don't care whether you've got it in us, in you, I'm releasing my life into you. The spirit of grace, Duncan showed me this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, and I think verse 29, it says that the spirit is the spirit of grace. And so the spirit of grace is to move us out of our small thinking, out of the limitations of our minds, out of our just trap of being small and to move us into a place of being centered upon the grace of God where we can do all things, not through the Murray that strengthens me, but through the Christ who strengthens me. And the Holy Spirit's job is just to communicate to us and to strengthen us and to empower us. That's why he's a spirit of grace. He's empowering us to live in the grace of God, which is to step into the calling that God has for us. If you've been called to start a business, you're not going to do that by giving yourself a whole load of extra pep talks. You're going to do that by dealing with the issues of the heart by the grace of God and then stepping into that calling. I have a call, I've had some callings where I look at myself and I think there's no way I can do that. Hey, good news. It's not dependent upon you or I. It's dependent on the release of the spirit of grace to us. But there's always a journey, right? So here's the call. When I, when I, when I was at university, I, 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 Ash and I got married at the end of my um, penultimate year. In England, you only have like a three-year degree. So I got married in my second year and... Um, and uh, when I graduated, uh, we were pregnant with Hannah, our oldest, uh, three months pregnant. But you know what? I really wanted to be a pastor. That was like my dream goal. I was going to be a pastor of all pastors. You know, I was going to be like, you know, I saw one, uh, one time this network and this guy called himself a super apostle. That's me, man. Uh, there was another guy that called himself super apostle pastor evangelist. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize you could have all those titles. I'm going to be that. Actually, I'm going to be super apostle, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher. Ha! Okay, so I finished university and I'm like, okay, I want to go and become a pastor. I need to go and do some training. And my, and my pastor, you know, we, we said, well, actually, you're about to have a baby. You know, you probably need to go and get a job. You know, go and work. Uh, earn some, yourself some money. And, um, and that, that was good for me in that season because I had a lot of pride and ambition. And so, and then he said to me the words that stabbed me through the heart. He said, you know, I think you should become an accountant. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's like all the fun squeezed out of you. And I hate math. But anyway, I was a geography graduate. I had done this degree in geography. It's a, you know, it's a glorious degree where you learn everything about nothing or nothing about everything. <laughs> you know, sat through three years. The only thing I could do after the end of my geography degree was prove that I could write a report or an essay, you know, study, which is apparently accountant companies in England wanted. So I got this job as an accountant. But when I got the job, my goal was this. Five years, I'm going to be a pastor, baby. 
Oh yeah, no, this accounting malarkey for me anymore. This is a means to an end. This, this accounting thing is, well, yeah, I need to earn some money. And, you know, a bit of discipline probably would help for, you know, so I can learn how to, you know, go to the office at nine o'clock and finish at five or whatever, you know. And, and so, at the end of the five years, I'm going to be qualified as an accountant. Then I'm going to become a pastor because that's my holy grail. The problem is, five years come along and um, I'm not a pastor and I'm actually not even close to being called a pastor. And, um, and so I'm like, hmm. Okay, maybe another five years. I need, what I need is another five-year plan. In five years' time, I will be a pastor. And in the course of that time, we moved to Australia to plant a church, which after 11 months failed. And um, that's not very happy for a little me, is it? A little me doesn't really like that failure because a little me just realizes, yeah, you see, you failed again, and therefore, you're a failure. Ha, huh, told you. So... You know, I'm, I, but getting towards the end of the five years, well, the church plant has blown up. I remember flying out of Melbourne, going to uh, Christchurch in my first six months of a church planter for this leaders retreat. And I thought to myself, as I looked out across the Australian plains, I'm going to be an apostolic leader. I'm going to plant 200 churches over here and I'm going to be in charge of all of you. <laughs> five months later, my church has blown up and I've gone to Sydney with my tail between my legs. And, um, and then in Sydney, I'm, I get to the point where you, I'm thinking, and the Holy Spirit's starting to speak to me and goes, you know, your five-year plan might not be my five-year plan. And so um, I had to die to that plan. Here's the thing. There's a difference between being called and actually stepping into the calling. And the middle journey sometimes sucks. Right? Because here I am, I'm called to be this. And then all the way through, I'm getting further and further and further away from the goal. The pastor I'm in in this church and city doesn't think very much of me, so that's blown it. And all of this, and I'm working, you know, 70, 80 hours a week and just trudging through life. But what's happening to me, what's happening to me is the Holy Spirit saying, hey, let my grace put to death that pride and ambition. Let my grace put to death all of your thinking that you think you're, it's all about you and you're the strong one and you're going to be the one that's going to make this all happen. And so what's happening in this journey of absolute dire destruction of my flesh is I'm getting smaller and smaller. But what's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the sense of the Father saying, you know, resurrection comes after death. Could you just hurry up and die to all of that calling and that, well, no, not the calling, to the ambition, to the sense of, I can do this because I'm awesome. I'm super apostle Murray. Or, <laughs> I've got nothing, I'm just a failure. He's like, listen, could you die to that, please? Because I've actually got something I want to resurrect in you, and I can't resurrect that in you until you die, until it dies. And so, grace, for me, was one of the worst seasons of my life. In terms of having to die to everything that I thought was my self-identity. And here's the thing. So many of us, we put our identity in what we do. We put our identity in our mission. We put our identity in our bank accounts. We put our identity in our own sense of self. And sometimes that sense of self actually is self-hatred. And so we look at ourselves and we think of ourselves as nothings and nobodies. All the meantime, heaven's going, hey, grace, grace. 
Yes, I love you. Woo! Die? Yeah. I want to resurrect you. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some of us here that we've been called to be prophets. And we've been called to be apostles. Welcome to the season of, I think, what our pastor John Arnott says is the convoluted journey. Where you are going to go through some narrow situations. Where you're going to find yourself squeezed and not liking what comes out. Where you're going to find yourself feeling like you're taking 15 steps backwards. And that point, at that point, don't panic. Just lay it down. Allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, to bring resurrection to you. We're called. Some of us, as I said, we're called to start businesses. We're called to make money. We're called to have our business ideas, to get wealth of resources that will actually change society around us. Some of us are called to have ideas that might actually create an invention that changes this city. Some of us are called to employ people that their lives will improve. Some of us are called to look after children, to raise children that are going to be teachers, that are going to raise other, that are going to impact the lives of many kids. Some of us are called to be pastors, not in a church context, but actually to pastor everyone in your workplace. Some of us are called to be evangelists, but that doesn't mean to say being full-time in the church. It just means catching the spirit of Christ and the grace of Jesus being revealed as Jesus the evangelist in you, where you win people to him left, right, and center in your workplace or your university or your school. One of the things I had to die to this call was this sense that the church was where it was at. But actually, what God wants to do is release grace wherever we go because we stand in grace. We live in grace and it's the spirit of grace that's operative within us. The Lord is looking to break off small thinking and limitations. The limitations that say, I haven't got the right personality type to do that. The limitations that say, I haven't got enough in my bank account to do that. The limitations that say, I haven't been to the right university to do that. The limitations that say, oh, I'm not married to the right person to do that. The limitations that say, you're not really anything. You're not really worth it. He's also looking to destroy the power in us. Paul said, I boast in my weakness because the power of God is manifest within me. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Can you say to yourself, I am who I am by the grace of God? He loves me. He likes me. He has a call for me and he's bringing me into his purpose and it's not my effort that's going to destroy that thinking. It's receiving grace. So for me, my journey 
has required me to open up my heart, which is an act of grace in itself, to say, Jesus, I don't like the little me or the big me. I want to live in the Christ me. I want to live in this place where I am confident and secure in who you've made me to be. No self-hatred, no self-importance, just Christ. RTF, HeartSync, Sozo, you name it, I'm going for it. Because narrow is the path of grace, but it's the, grace, it's the path of freedom and joy. So I want to invite you to stand if you would please. So I'm conscious for some of us, we probably all identify with the big me and the little me if we're really honest with ourselves. There's a dimension of us that feels small and insignificant or doesn't actually like ourselves. And if that's you, I want you to be able to receive grace this morning, this afternoon. So I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And the truth is, I haven't been walking in grace towards myself. I've put myself down. I've been tied to my past. I've been more aware of my limitations, my shortcomings, and my lack. I ask that you'd forgive me, Lord. And I lay all of those things at the cross of Jesus Christ. And I receive your grace. And I say with the Apostle Paul, I am what I am. By the grace of God. And Lord, I also recognize that I've been operating at times out of my own strength. Out of my own ability. About, out of my own willpower and determination. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me. And I lay my strength, I lay my willpower, I lay, I lay my own determination at your feet. And I receive your grace. Spirit of grace, fill me now. And I take authority over every demonic connection in this room right now in Jesus name every bit of demonic that would keep us bound in small thinking and keep us bound in limitations keep us bound in pride keep us bound in jealousy and I take authority over those stronghold spirits in the name of Jesus and I command them off you right now in Jesus name we sever them by the blood of Jesus by the sword of the spirit <clears throat> we cut them off you right now in the mighty name of Jesus let's release them now just tell any demonic thing, any sense of jealousy or competition or self-hatred or uh, self-strength, just release it now. Just blow it out. Just go right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Fear of man, go right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we receive right now the seven spirits of God, the spirit of power and of might and of knowledge and of wisdom and of, uh, uh, of uh, the Lord and the fear of the Lord. And we receive the spirit of God right now. Take a moment, just... 
reach up into the invisible realm of the Spirit. Receive that grace, the Spirit of grace. And we say by the anointing of heaven, we speak to every prison door where everything has been held captive. If there's anything of calling, gifting, promotion, increase ideas, anything that has been held captive because of the, the demonic, we speak to those prison doors right now and we say prison doors be open in Jesus' name and we release everything that's held captive in whatever dimension in the power of the Holy Spirit and we release the spirit of grace over each of us right now. Receive it. Take it. Take the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of grace. He's not the spirit of self-effort. He's not the spirit of try harder. He's not the spirit of do more. He's the spirit of grace. And we declare not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of grace, the spirit of God, my spirit, in Jesus' name.